And so, you know, when you go to birthday parties, you got to bring a present. And so I'm in high school. I don't have any money. So what I did is I think I went to my mom's card bin and got a card and I got my wallet. I pulled out a bill and put it in there and went to the party and I gave my buddy a hundred dollar bill. Actually, it was a $1 bill, and I wrote two zeros on the one. I grabbed a marker. I thought it was so clever and so funny. I thought, i got to give him something. And so I put zeros after every one on all the corners of the dollar bill. I gave him the card. He opened it, and I thought it was hilarious. He didn't really think so much. But imagine that, imagine that he took that $100 bill that I convinced him, I told him, listen, this is a $100 bill. And let's just imagine that he started to believe, you know what, maybe it actually is a $100 bill. I've never seen two felt tip markers after a one, but maybe that's what they look like. And I said, John, listen, this is a $100 bill. And imagine that he went to the store, he grabbed a bunch of stuff, and then he went to check out. And I said, that'll be $89.50. And he said, not a problem. And he whipped that $100 bill out on the, the clerk's desk. What would that lady say? She'd say, I think you're about $88.50 short. That is not a $100 bill. Even if I told him, listen, this is a $100 bill. It's not. It's a $1 that I try to increase with value. And that is what our text is going to talk about today. See, what happens is we have what's called man-made religion. We try to externally change the value of ourselves, make ourselves more holy by doing external things. And so we try to make ourselves more holy, more acceptable to God. But in the end, when we go to check out on life, we will be sadly mistaken that we've been duped. See, religion is not about what we do on the exterior. It has to be something that changes us from within. So with that, open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. This message is entitled, Some Will Depart from the Faith. But first, let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. You are faithful and you are kind. Lord, we thank you that you have changed us from within. We just ask that you would help us to understand your word. Let it be very clear. And Lord, let us leave here changed. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we want to look at is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. We're going to read all the way through 5, but I'll, I'll stop after each section, and then we'll kind of dive deep in that area. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. So we're going to pause right there. So first let's break down that first shocking statement there that it says, Some will depart from the faith. Now my question is, 
Are you surprised? Let's imagine that you grew up with someone who was with you at church, you were side by side in Sunday school, but now as you're sitting here, you know they have departed from the faith. The question is, are you surprised at that? Is that a shocking thing? Because here, Paul is writing to Timothy. Remember, Timothy is a leader at the church at Ephesus, and he's explaining to him what will happen. And don't be surprised at this. See, sometimes when something happens, if we're surprised, our reaction is different. But if we understand, the Bible says that there are going to be some who depart from the faith. They were with us, but they weren't of us. As in, they weren't truly saved. They weren't set apart. Now, here's the question, is how do they depart? What we want to know is, how does someone leave the faith? What happened? How is it that they departed? Well, look, it says this. By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Did you know this, that... There are deceitful spirits and teaching of demons that lead people to leave putting their faith in Jesus Christ. So that happens. As we go down, it says this, through the, insincer through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. So there are humans who are liars who teach doctrines of demons. So let me say that again. There are human beings on this earth who are liars and they teach doctrines of demons. Now you got to say, man, what are these teachings? What are the teachings of the doctrines of demons? If you hadn't looked at this passage and you never read this passage, in your mind, think of what the doctrine of demons, what these deceitful spirits would teach people in the church to leave the church, to go and do something else a different way. Think of that. What is it that you would think, man, I, I think that what demons would teach would be this and fill that in. And I bet you probably what you came up with was something pretty, pretty horrific. I mean, you need to think, man, a demonic spirit, one who is under the charge of Satan, this is probably what they would teach. Well, look at verse 3. We're going to see exactly what the doctrines of demons, what they are teaching. Verse 3, the first part. Look at that. It says this, "...who forbid marriage." So this deceitful spirit and these doctrines of demons, these teachings of demons, one of the things that they teach is that they forbid marriage. Now, if you had never read this passage, would that be what you thought that the demon would teach people to lead them out of Christianity? Would you think, you know what, I think probably what they'll do is they will teach that they'll forbid marriage. I don't think any of us would really come up with that on our own. But you've got to look at where marriage came from. Let me read this to you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says this, Then the Lord 
God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Down in 21 through 22. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Let me tell you a story. So I was a young man. I was in my early 20s. I didn't even know my wife at the time. And I thought uh, I, I wasn't seeing anyone. I just was me and the Lord. And uh, I thought, you know what? I need to do a little traveling. So I bought a backpack, a tent, a sleeping bag, and a ticket to Kauai. Kauai, Hawaii. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to see some, I'm going to see the world. So here I am. I got my backpack. I go down. I'm at LAX, I get on the plane, I fly to Kauai, I land. I don't know if you've ever been to Kauai, but it's the Garden Isle. It's supposed to be absolutely gorgeous. So I get there, I end up renting a room from some local guy because I was walking down the street, and he's like, hey man, what are you doing? I said, uh, I don't know, I'm just checking out the island. He's like, well, you want to rent a room at my place? Yeah, that sounds great. So then he starts showing me around the, around the island. And he says, uh, hey, man, you can borrow that car. Knock yourself out. So here I am on Kauai driving around the island. And I, there was a thought in my mind that, you know what, maybe I'm going to be single my whole life. Maybe that's what God has called me to do. Maybe I am called to singleness. And I will tell you there, I was on the north shore of Kauai looking at a sunset. I had money in the bank. I had no responsibilities. And I knew I was not meant to be alone. I was not meant to be alone. But imagine someone came to me in the church and they said, hey, actually, Rusty, you know what? You, you can't get married. If you want to be a pastor, that's actually forbidden. You can't actually get married. In order to be a pastor, you have to take on a life of celibacy. Now, here's the thing is that here we see in Scripture that it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good. And God made a helper. He made someone, a woman, to come alongside of a man. This is a creation of God. We celebrated two people who got married in the month of July. This is a good thing. But understand this, that every good thing that God makes, the enemy is going to try to, to pervert. It's intended for this, the enemy changes it. And so understand this, that a doctrine of demon, a teaching of demons is to forbid marriage. And so if you're ever talking to someone and they're involved in a religion and in that religion forbids marriage for maybe some or all, you got to ask yourself, man, what is up with that? Well, the scripture says that is a teaching of demons. It is not good for man to be alone. It is not good. So in creation, God kept creating things. And he says, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. He created man, he saw him alone, he said, it is not good. And so what does he do? He takes a man, he takes a woman, and he unites them. 
for life. And then he says, this is good. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. This is God's way. And the demons say, you know what? Let's go against God's way. Let's forbid marriage. Marriage is a gift from God and should be encouraged and celebrated. But the teachings of demons, they forbid it. I mean, think about how subtle this teaching is to forbid marriage. Because on the surface, you think, wait, there must be some holy reason. There must be, we could spin this to be a good thing. The Bible does not say so. Now, there are small instances where some people have the gift of celibacy, but that's not what these demons are encouraging. They are forbidding marriage. Look at the next thing that these demons teach. Look at this, how some people are led away from the faith. The next one is they require abstinence from foods. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3b says they require abstinence from foods. Let me tell you of a religion. It's called Jainism. It's uh, kind of found in India. That's where it's predominantly practiced. And it's called Jainism. Let me read you a little bit about it. The spiritual goal of Jainism is to become liberated from the endless cycles of rebirth So getting born again, born, 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 born when you die. And to achieve an all-knowing state called moksha. This can be attained by living a non-violent life or ahimsa. With as little negative impact on other life forms as possible. So that's the focus of Jainism. As little negative impacts on other life. Now, listen to this. Listen to the food restrictions in this religion called Jainism. Almost all Jains are vegetarian, in line with guidance to pursue ahisma, which is not harming other life. Roughly 9 in 10 Indian Jains, which is 92%, identify as vegetarian, and two-thirds of Jains, so that's 67%, go further by abstaining from root vegetables such as garlic and onion. Eating root vegetables is seen as a form of violence in Jain teachings because consuming the root of a plant destroys the plant in its entirety. These dietary practices extend outside the home. More than 8 in 10 Jain vegetarians also say they would not eat food in the home of a friend or neighbor who was not a vegetarian. And 84% or in a, or 84% or in a restaurant that served non-vegetarian foods, 91%. That is from the Pew Research an article, Six Facts About Jains in India. And so here's the thing, is that there is a thing in this religion that says you're trying to not cause any violence, and even you don't want to cause violence, especially against an animal, but you don't want to cause violence even to a a, a garlic. And so they won't eat garlic. 
I mean, think about how sad this is. Think about this. Think about right now if God put it in your heart and he's stirring you and he's saying, you know what? I'm actually calling you to be a missionary to India. And now you are going to go to those that are caught in this false religion called Jainism and you are going to go to them. Right now, the Lord is saying, yeah, Rushdie's talking about this, but I'm going to call you. You're going to go to India to these people, and you're going to proclaim the gospel. I'm going to give you some verses to use. Okay, So imagine this, that you're called. Next year, you're going to be there. Here's a good verse, Colossians 2, 16 through 23. So imagine this, you're in India. You've gone up, you've identified someone, a Jane, so someone that is in this religion, and you said, you know what, i got to come talk to them. These people think that they have to do enough good things, nonviolence, in order to, to attain their goal. Let me read this to you. Colossians 2, 16 through 23. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings? Verse 23, here's the big crux of this passage. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. See, here's the thing. The problem is not what goes into a person, but it's what comes out of a person. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 17 through 20, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth, passes into the stomach, and is expelled. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. And so there you are, you're talking to this young man who's following this religion, He's a vegetarian. He's doing everything he can to obtain his goal. And then you're going to come up to him and say this. Listen, inside of you is the problem. It's not what goes into you because what goes into you comes in and then goes right out. It's what flows out of you. And I will tell you that every person that is in front of you, every person that you talk to has this sin inside of them now they may not be addicted to the same sins but guess what there's still these sins that are inside of them and so this person in India as you talk to them and you say you know what the problem is this you know how this happens inside of your life 
You know how you don't have any control over that desire in you? And no matter how much you mutilate the flesh, no matter how much good you try to do, no matter how many old ladies you try to help across the street, it doesn't change. Haven't you noticed that year after year after year, you can't get your mind to think about the thoughts that you should and to stop thinking about the thoughts that you shouldn't? This person's going to look at you and they're going to they're say, okay, what's your point? Well, here's the thing. The point is this. Going back to the dollar bill. Nothing I could write on that dollar would transform it into $100. There's nothing I could do to that dollar. And then nothing we do to the outside of the body will transform the inside. We must have a complete new inside. And so what happens is doctrines of demons, they want us to feel like that we're obtaining holiness and enough good things so that when we leave this earth, we can be with God. And so what happens, it ends up being a man-made religion. And they're always all based on external things that we can do. It's me taking a felt-tip marker on a, on a $1 bill, adding some zeros and going, God, listen, can I make it in? Look, I have $100. And God's saying, listen, there's nothing that you can do exterior. If you forbid marriage and think, okay, I'm going to forbid marriage. I'm going I'm to not give in to these desires that I have for a wife. All, I'm just going to forbid it to gain access and to be pleasing to the Lord. Or I'm not going to eat these foods because I don't want to cause harm to another life form. I will not eat these foods all to obtain workspace righteousness before the Lord. That's the teaching of demons. And you know what? Sometimes we do this. Sometimes we think, man, if I could do enough good things, God will, God will be more happy with me. He'll love me even more. But the beautiful thing is, is that once you've been set free, you've been set free indeed. You've been set free. Because what happens is that all the stuff that's inside of us, the sin that's built up, God forgives us for and he cleanses us. He cleanses us. He changes us from within. Look at 1 Timothy Verse 4, we're going to fo focus on verses 3 through 5, but I'm going to read the whole thing in context. So 1 through 5. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars who, whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require absence from food, that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So, saints, in the Old Testament, there was a lot of food restrictions. There was a lot of food restrictions. That's not what this is referring to. This is referring to the new covenant. Because here's the new covenant. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And he said, this is a new covenant. It's written in my blood. And so everything of the past is now being fulfilled in me. Christ is fulfilling. And he said, here's the new covenant. Here's the new covenant. 
is that I will make you reborn, you will be set free, and you don't have to do all of these things. Don't touch, don't taste, don't participate. That's of the past, but guess what? Guess what happens is that the doctrines of demons, they want to reintroduce this man-made religion of obtaining righteousness apart from the cross. If I don't get married and I just say, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to... I'm going to forsake that. I'm not going to eat any, any animals. I'm not going to eat any plants that might die. I'll just kind of clip some off. I'm going to do as little harm as I can. Listen, it doesn't do anything for you. Because the problem is not what goes into your mouth, but it's what comes out of you. And that's why we're so in love with Jesus. Because we realize that not only could we not obtain righteousness, I mean, we mess up all the time, but he's telling us we don't need to obtain righteousness on our own by denying ourselves. What he's saying is this, is that you've been set free, now enjoy marriage. Now enjoy food. I hope that you enjoy food. And I hope that you enjoy your spouse. Because they're gifts from God. I mean, have you ever thought about this, all you guys who raise cattle in here? Have you ever thought about this? Is that God gave us cattle. Probably black cattle first. I know. I love Herefords too, Greg. But God gave us cattle. And he, he, he's given us Meat to partake in, to enjoy, to have barbecues. And have you ever thought about this, you cattle guys, is that you are linked with God in providing food as part of the blessing of creation? I mean, here you are, you're feeding these cattle in the snow. You're feeding them in the rain. You're praying for it to rain. You're just hoping, Lord, please give me a calf. And you sell that calf and it goes on. And then someone partakes in it. And there's this juicy burger that they're going to eat that you grew. And God says this, that is part of my blessing. You are to be thankful for that. You're to enjoy that. And you cattle guys, think about this. You are with, with God creating this food for other people. And these other people are going to say, Lord, thank you so much for the food. That is a cool thing. And some of you guys that grow food, I mean, think about how amazing this is. You might grow corn or beans and you think wait a minute so they're going to harvest this and it's going to go it's going to be processed for food and then people are going to thank God for what came from my pastures it's a pretty neat thing when you think about it I had that aha moment this morning when I was finishing up and I was like wait a minute so if if right here we're supposed to verse 3 God created it to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. If he created food and I'm actually endeavoring to produce food, then me and God are in business together. That's a cool thought. I should make you cattle guys feel pretty special. 
So in conclusion, worship team, come on up here. Here's the conclusion. There's five things that we want to conclude on. So the first is, some will depart from the faith. They devote themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. The teachings of demons are the forbidding of marriage and the abstinence from foods. God created marriage for us to enjoy. God created food for us to enjoy. And so we want to do just that. We want to enjoy our marriages. We want to enjoy food. We want to thank the Lord for the blessings that he's given us. So let's do that. Will you stand with me? We're going to thank the Lord. If you're married, as I pray, just thank the Lord for your marriage. That's a gift from God. If you're going to go eat food after this, let's thank him for that. Let's thank him for our breakfast. Let's pray for our ranchers and our farmers as they endeavor to produce food for us. But God is so good. Father, you are so good. We thank you so much for marriage. Lord, I thank you for everyone in here that you have blessed with a spouse. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen the marriage. Lord, I pray that they would love being married. Lord, if there's marriages that aren't firing at all eight cylinders, Lord, I pray that you would rejuvenate them and that you would bring healing. Father, I pray that our marriages would be healthy and pure. And Lord, I thank you so much for the food. Lord, I thank you for all the men and women in here that produce food for us. Thank you for them, Lord. Lord, help them to feel special. Help them to understand that they, they're doing something that you've designed. Producing food for all of others to partake in and enjoy. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, we thank you so much for the rain last night. Lord, I pray that we would get five inches of rain in the month of July. Pray that pastors would grow or that you would calm the hearts of farmers and ranchers. Lord, I pray that you would use this drought to draw them close to you. And then, Lord, just let your heavens open up and your rain fall. Bring the rain, Father. We just ask it. Lord, if there's anyone in here that doesn't know you, help them to understand that you are the God who brings the rain. Lord, you're the one who created us, that you love us. Lord, help them to be convinced that Jesus is the Christ, that he died on a cross for them, paying the penalty for their sin. Help them to be convinced about the love that Jesus has for them. Help them not to believe the enemy. Help them to believe Jesus, that he died on a cross because he loves them. Lord, I pray that that person would repent of sin and draw close to Christ, asking for forgiveness. Lord, I pray you would forgive us for trying to obtain righteousness with external works. Lord, let us just rest on your grace. And everything then we do for you, let it be because we are saved, not 
to be saved. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, our time of invitation is this. I'm inviting you.